Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, there aren't many Canadian brands more well-known and iconic than Tim Hortons. Now, not everyone's necessarily a fan of Tim Hortons, but there's no denying uh, just how big, how influential it is and and how it's really wrapped itself up in in Canadiana, right? Very Canadian brand. Ron Joyce is a big reason for that. Help make Tim Hortons what it is. He's passed away today at the age of eighty eight. More from Canadian Press reporter Laurie Paris. Ron Joyce invested in the first Tim Horton shop in Hamilton, Ontario in 1964, later becoming a full partner in 1967 and helping to grow the business into one of the most successful food service chains in the world. But beyond his business expertise, Joyce was also known for his charity work. He received the Order of Canada in 1992 for his establishment of the Tim Horton's Children's Foundation, which operates camps for underprivileged children. Laurie Paris, the Canadian Press, Toronto. You know, it's interesting when you look back on it, uh, Tim Horton deciding maybe he needed to branch out a little bit. If, if NHL players had been paid the way they're paid today, maybe we wouldn't have Tim Hortons. Uh, the owners did pretty good back in those days, but the players not so much. Uh, so Tim Horton was a businessman in addition to being a pretty good defenseman and found other ways of, of making a buck. Had an idea about uh, a coffee shop. So between uh, him and Ron Joyce and, and some others, too, who had a big role, they, they turned it into uh, a real powerhouse. Uh, so certainly Ron Joyce, uh, a big part of that, and has had a considerable impact on business in this country. Uh, some years ago, um, Ron told his story, a book called Always Fresh, the untold story of Tim Hortons by the man who created an empire. Uh, author, writer Robert Thompson. Uh, helped write that book and joins us on the line here this afternoon to talk about his co-author and Ron Joyce and his impact and legacy. Robert, thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, how long ago was it you guys did the book? Um, it seems like it's, it doesn't. Some of it seems very fresh, but yeah. uh, about 13 years ago, I guess we probably maybe even 14. We spent uh, most of sort of six months working through the book, traveling with Ron, um, spending time with him in his various homes. Um, interviewing them, you know, when you write somebody's autobiography, uh, you necessarily learn a lot about the person, and some of it ends up in the book, and some of it doesn't. Yeah. Um, where was he at at the time? Uh, th- this was around the time, wasn't it, that um, they were going to sell, they, were, they sold the company to, to the Wendy's chain, wasn't it? Yeah, Ron had sold the company in 1996 to Wendy's, famously on a, on a deal he did on a napkin, a men's, men's room in a convention center. Um, for $680 million. He sat on the Wendy's board for some time. And by the time I started working with him, I was a reporter at the National Post at the time. Uh, Ron had, had really not had much connection with Tim Hortons. In fact, if anything, his connection with the actual ownership or the operation structure at the time was a bit acrimonious. So 
um, it was an interesting time. He, had, he, he was able to have perspective on it because he wasn't directly involved with it anymore. And what was he hoping to to accomplish them by by telling his story? And I would find it interesting, you know, when, when people in that position, when they get to a point that, you know, you know what, I have something to say and I want to share my story. How, how did it how did it all come about? That's interesting. Um, I had done a feature on Ron for the paper uh, in 2002-2003 and it kept in touch with him. And then I did a magazine piece on him. And during the magazine piece, he mentioned that he'd been approached about doing his autobiography. And, you know, truly, if you think about Tim Hortons, um, People probably don't recognize Ron is actually not, you know, he's the co-founder of the company as we know it. He's actually the third sort of part owner of the company. Tim founded the company with a guy from Toronto named Jim Schrade. Um, That business was a bit of a disaster. Ron was the fourth franchisee of the first store. Um, But, you know, a lot of what they, Ron bought a franchise that wasn't a franchise. So um, I think what he was doing with me when he decided he wanted to sit down and do his autobiography was set the record straight in his mind of how Tim Hortons had developed and his role in it and some of the issues that they had faced and how he kind of developed out some of the key ideas and the operations of it. You know, he was 75 at the time. He wasn't a young man. He had longevity in his family. His mother lost his entire nineties, but I think it was an opportunity for him to look back at kind of his career at that point where you know, by the time I met him, he was a very, 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 very rich man, um, exceedingly rich. And it was an opportunity for him to say, you know, not only have I made all this wealth, but here's how I've done it. Right. And and I guess your role coming at it, I mean, anybody telling their own story is, is maybe likely to put their own kind of spin on it and sure. maybe boast of, of their accomplishments. And certainly he has he's a lot to boast about. But do you, how I mean, do you feel as though he was also willing to to address more delicate or or controversial issues or things that might not put him in the best light. Um, you had to push. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. When, you, when I've done a couple of autobiographies for people, um, and as a writer, you come at the thing like Ron was never a writer. Ron had a grade eleven education. He was, um, you know, he would never have been much of a writer. He wouldn't have written things down. That's not how he operated. He was an operations guy. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. And so, my part of my job was to make sure the book was readable and interesting and that he did address some of the things you're talking about. And I think the book had certainly had elements of that. Um, you know, you always self-censor. People always self-censor when they write an autobiography. It's their perception of things, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but, you know, there were interesting anecdotes around, certainly around the formation of the business, about Ron's failures or challenges he had as a, as a father and a parent and as a, you know, as a businessman and as a police officer before Tim Horton started. You know, certainly some really insightful things around the death of Tim Hortons in 1974 and um, about his relationship of how he took Tim Hortons from after Tim's death to sort of certainly the next level. Um, and, you know, his interactions with Lori Horton, Tim's widow, were uh, pretty relevatory at the time and, gener- and, and garnered a fair bit of controversy, I'd say. Not, not intentionally. I just thought, you know, the book should be as honest as he was prepared to be. And... Uh, you know, there's always a line, but we we got some stuff in there that I was I was pleased that he was willing to share with people because I think it it added sort of context to the story. And, and people might not realize this about Ron because it seems like he's been a businessman forever. He actually started off as as a police officer, didn't he? Yeah, he, he served. I mean, the backstory for listeners who don't know Ron's story is kind of fascinating. I mean, he came to. Hamilton, Ontario, with ten dollars, quite literally, from Tadamagoose, Nova Scotia, um, where there was he felt there was no opportunity. He eventually served time in the Navy, um, went to Korea, uh, and then came back out of that, and became a police officer, and had a, had a young family, and so on. And his first marriage didn't work out, 
And um, while he was paying for his kids from his first marriage, he not only was working as a cop, but he was doing extra jobs on the side. You know, he was driving produce truck. He was doing whatever he could to make ends meet. And in one of the summers, I think 63 or 64, he ran into a buddy from the Navy who was running a Dairy Queen. And the guy from the, ran the Dairy Queen said to Ron, this is an unbelievable business. And Ron admittedly wasn't a very good police officer. So he said, you should go and run a Dairy Queen. So Ron bought a Dairy Queen, which at the time cost about $12,000. And the Dairy Queen did exceedingly well for him. He made more money in the Dairy Queen in a few months than he was open in the summer than he did in the whole year he was a police officer. So he thought he should buy a second Dairy Queen. So he raised all the money he possibly could scrounge up in 1965 to buy a secondary queen. Um, but the way Ron tells it, they wanted a bribe in addition to the fee, and he didn't have the money to bribe them. So uh, oh, wow. when he could, when he couldn't buy a Dairy Queen, he went around the corner from his house in downtown Hamilton to a newly opened coffee chain called Tim Hortons, um, and and bought this. What he didn't realize, the restaurant was already a disaster that had gone through three or four owners by the time he got it. But it was a franchise of a business that had no reason to be franchised. And when I say Ron is as much the creator of Tim Hortons, because he bought the franchise for a store that had no recipes, that had no staff, that had no operations manual. <laughs> he wasn't, it was unclear what he was buying. He bought a restaurant, and it was Ron who turned it in to the Tim Hortons and decided it would be coffee and donuts and how they would operate, and they'd be 24 hours. And all the things we come to, you know, just take for granted now around Tim Hortons were devised by Ron at the desperation because he thought he was going to lose all his money. So is this a case of him trying to make this restaurant, this particular restaurant that he owns successful, or did he envision that this could be something that wouldn't just succeed at this one location that could succeed elsewhere, that it could be a, a franchise? Well, it's funny you ask that because I don't know whether he ever had any grand ambition beyond the first one. Like, so there was a first restaurant and then the, the Tim Horton and his then-partner Jim Trey built a second one, and Ron was afraid that that would hurt his first restaurant, so he agreed to invest in that one. And then there was then Tim and Jim Charade separated and went different ways. And Tim in 1966-67 was going to retire. He was playing for the Maple Leafs and it intended to retire um, when the opportunity presented itself for uh, you know, to go back to the Leafs, and all of a sudden he's building a store in Kitchener, and he has nobody to run it. So he went to ask Ron if he'd run it. And Ron was trying to get out of Tim Hortons at that time. He wasn't trying to build more. So, you know, I think that he never envisioned the scale that it would become, at least not initially. But soon after that, he made some really smart decisions that you'd see in what Ray Kroc did with McDonald's, for example. Ron bought property. He bought land. So a lot of the Tim, original Tim Hortons may have been run by franchisees eventually, but Ron owned the property. And that that you know that's part of the great success of the thing. And then you know it takes him seven or eight years to get you know out of debt. And he, nobody would lend a restaurant tour money in the late sixties, early seventies. And it wasn't until after Tim's death that uh, you know a bank came and said, "You've got a great business here. We will loan you money and make you financially stable." And from that point, the chain really exploded. I mean, it it went from. Uh, you know, a few dozen stores by the mid-70s to hundreds of stores by the mid-80s to thousands of stores by the yeah. mid-90s. So it's, uh, the, but did he see that in 1965? I don't, I think he thought if I worked really hard and people like this and, you know, they like the coffee in Brantford as much as they like the coffee in Moncton, um, then he'd have the success because truthfully, the barrier at entry was just that. Most restaurants couldn't even do that. Yeah. And obviously the death of Tim Horton was, was pretty shocking at the time. He was only 44 years old. Uh, I mean, if, if he had lived, this story might have gone very differently. And, you know, and, and things could have gone differently after that. There was, uh, you know, there was a lot of acrimony between Ron and, and, and Tim's widow. 
Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, because Ron famously bought Laurie out in 1975 uh, for a million dollars, which, you know, when I tell you that Ron sold the company to Wendy's for $680 million, sounds like an insignificant amount of money. But, you know, if you look at it in the context of 1975, a million dollars, A, was a lot of money. B, Ron had no money. Um, C, the chain was in a lot of debt. So it wasn't like, you know, he was he was selling her short. I think he gave her what was fair at the time. Um, what nobody envisioned was that other part of the story I told you where, you know, it goes from being a few dozen restaurants to a few hundred restaurants. And by 1985, when, you know, in the mid-80s, when Lori sued Ron, saying she be wrongly, you know, she'd been taken advantage of in the situation that she had a problem with pills and alcohol and that Ron had taken advantage of that circumstance, even though I'd say she had a really great lawyer, she had one of the best Toronto law firms behind her. So I don't know if she was taken advantage of. I wasn't there. But either the way it plays out, um, she felt hard done by by that point, and Ron really wanted to bring her back into the fold and simply pay her a salary, give her a car, have her part of the Tim Horton shame. But she saw something bigger, and she sued and she lost. And you know the the sad part of that story is she walked away with nothing. In fact, she walked away with less than she had going into it. And in the end, um, because one of Ron's sons is married to one of Lori Horton's daughters, Ron ended up paying for Lori Horton's funeral. So. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a complicated story. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned it because I, and I wasn't sure that that was true. I remember reading that somewhere and it seems so strange in the context. So Ron Joyce Jr. Married mm. Tim and Lori's daughter. Right. Yeah. Just to make this, you think about lawsuit going on, what family, you know, Christmas dinners must've been like when that was going on. Okay. No <laughs> uh, well, and, and we know the behemoth that, that this company became, and, and obviously Ron's famous for that, but you know, certainly he, he did a lot else in business. And, and, and more to the point, I mean, how would people feel about that, that, that's, that whole backstory, as, as you talked about? He did a lot for charity. He did a lot of philanthropic work. For sure. And I think, you know, potentially, though, Tim Hortons is such a massive business that it'll never overtake what he did. You know, he can never overtake what he did as a businessman. I mean, the Tim Hortons Children's Foundation is Ron's. You know, that's that's something that Ron and Tim envisioned and wanted to do and try to give back. And that's become, uh, you know, an unbelievable charity over the years. And Ron spent the last, you know, even when I knew him, uh, when worked with him 10 or 15 years ago to the, to this day, I mean, I was driving down the QEW today, and there's the Ron V. Joyce School of Business on the side. Of the, and there's, you know, the Ron's, Ron Joyce Stadium. And, you know, he spent a lot of his later part of his life trying to give away his money to causes that, Interestingly, you know, Ron never went to university, so it wasn't like he had an affiliation with McMaster or the different universities he gave money to, but, you know, he felt that some need to try to give back the best he could. And so that's, I think, in a lot of regards, one of the things that people are talking about today in wake of his passing is this notion that he was, you know, he, all these charitable endeavors as a, as a philanthropist and giving money back. And he certainly was very, very, very proud of the Tim Hortons Children's Foundation. I had an opportunity while doing the book to attend one of their functions. And uh, he was a big deal there, but he was really thrilled with how it developed him. Well, quite a life and uh, quite a story. People can read more. Again, that book is called Always Fresh, the untold story of Tim Hortons by the man who created an empire. Robert, thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Uh, that is Robert Thompson, uh, co-author of uh, the book Always Fresh, uh, the story of Ron Joyce, Ron... Uh, passing away today at the age of 88. So quite a story and quite an impact he has had on Canadian business and to some extent you could argue Canadian culture. When you think about what a cultural icon this, this business managed to become.
And isn't that a weird little footnote? It's almost like you, you could write a weird kind of romantic movie about, about that. So Tim Horton passes away. His widow and business partner you know, are locked in business battle. And, and through it all, Ron's son marries Tim and Lori's daughter. I mean, how does that even happen? That seems so strange to me. All right, 403-974-8255. Got a text here that says, Rob, my public school was right beside the Tim Hortons number one store on Ottawa Street north in Hamilton. Always remember the blue and white Tim Hortons sign and the great donuts. They do make good donuts. I can attest to that. Each and every Thursday we get a couple boxes brought in, uh, which we very much appreciate here. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.